It's Thursday, September 16th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 208, and it's a special one because we're having a focused conversation on a recent experience that our good friend Curtis Bunker just had. Welcome to the show, Curtis. Hey, thanks for having me. We're back, I guess. Welcome back yeah. for like the fourth or fifth time now. <laughs> uh, you, guys are, you guys are too kind for giving me a stage. Well, you are always so much fun to talk to. Uh, love having you on, man. So what's been going on? There's been some some crazy cool stuff going on in your life, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been amazing. So today I wanted to kind of break down the inspiration for launch, you know, beyond just the, the beautiful scenery and and all that. I think it has a lot of... Uh, a lot of deeper meaning and and uh, to me personally, to our studio and to a lot of the other creators that we were able to join with. And then I was mm-hmm. hoping to end with, um, you know, maybe give me a time check around 20. I'd love to do, I wouldn't call it anything formal, but, you know, it's been since college, if you will, since I've done a book review, I, I consume a ton of media, um, you know, to do research for Gaia Seed and, and for Bifrost Bridge Studios. And I'd love to break down Chapter three of uh, AI 2041, which was released uh, earlier this week. And chapter three focuses uh, specifically around a couple of technologies that I think are really important NLP, natural language processing, uh, AI education, you know, artificial general interface, uh, intelligence, rather. Um, and the concept of the, the chapter is um, basically a a uh, twin set of children that are adopted and they each um, are very different in, their, in the neurodiverse perspective, but they each take on AI avatars and they have special words and naming and things like that. But uh, Twin Sparrows is the name of the chapter. So I'd love to hit on that. Okay. Later that, one, that one hit hard. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. All right. So we're going to start with inspiration four. Um, let me let me start by just saying all I know is, and you can jump off from there, but all I know is I guess we've sent for civilians into space and this is the first time this has ever happened right where it's not the first time civilians have, have gone up but it's the first time that it's been a 100 civilian crew and i guess they launched yesterday yeah and i think that's really important i, I think it was the new york times last night I think the title of their article is very much focused on the lack of or the, the perception and, and and shooting that down that this was some tourism or, or purely civilian um, endeavor, right? These were trained astronauts. They're just civilian trained astronauts. And they they relied on the automation of the Dragon and, and all of its components, you know, and and uh, to, to basically guide them through. NASA was in an assisting role. Um, there's some neat breakdowns of that, well, you know, their satellite networks and, and what they use to help support the mission. But this was very much SpaceX putting civilian trained astronauts into space which is which is a big deal and i think jared isaacman who is the the mission commander i believe is the title the leader he falls under the pillar a pillar of leadership in the inspiration for paradigm and i think what he did is very important for space travel and i wouldn't call it necessarily democratization because that word's overused a lot um in technology and other arenas but very much under that premise you know so it's, it's exciting that's awesome, man. And so these people aren't just, it's not like, you know, um, Jared uh, from accounting over at, you know, Smith and Johnson or whatever. You know what I mean? It's uh, these are people that seem to, I'm just trying to research it as you're talking about it. But like, uh, so we have Jared, <clears throat> excuse me, Jared Isaacman, uh, who is, let's see, an American billionaire businessman, pilot, and amateur astronaut. Okay. Yep. He's the founder and CEO of Shift4 Payments, a payment processor. He serves as commander of the space. Okay. You were saying that. And then we have Sian. I hope I'm saying that right. Sian? Sian? I'm not sure. Proctor. She's a she's an American geology professor, science communicator, and commercial astronaut. Yep. Okay. So what does that mean? What is a and commercial so real, astronaut? So real quick, her story is super, super cool. Um, they break them down pretty well in the Netflix documentary. I think they spend the first two episodes with about two apiece, um, you know, two of the astronauts and breaking down their story. They, they oh, that's cool. On, yeah, they focus on Jared first and the paradigm that he was after and how this all came together and how he established the peers uh, or pillars rather of, of leadership. She falls under prosperity. 
So she was chosen through the shift for sale or, you know, shift for shop um, platform. Uh, they encouraged uh, entrepreneurs like myself and hundreds of others to join the program and to basically move on to their platform. Um, very, very simple transition. And your, your products go to help solving, you know, cancer at St. Jude's, right? That's been one of the big things behind the whole mission. And we'll, we'll get into that later into the hope pillar, which is even more exciting for other reasons. But yeah, her, her story being denied into the astronaut program and her father, you know what? I'm not going to ruin it. Netflix does an amazing job of breaking <laughs> no, it's down fine. Just, just what hers means. You can, you can talk about it, dude. It's okay. Um, you know, I guess maybe we'll just say spoiler alert. And if you want to go watch the, uh, Netflix documentary first and then come back and listen to this, then shut it down. I didn't even yeah. know there was a Netflix documentary on it. So, but yeah, I, I am yeah. curious. Time Magazine, Time Magazine you, did it too. So it's well done. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. I mean, share your thoughts, man. I, I'm, I'm curious what you, uh, what, what, uh, what stood out to you here? So personally, I was probably one of the only ones that submitted a video that didn't have my face in it. You know how I can be odd and up and down around public speaking or any type of video. So, you know, I, um, I put a unique video in around what we're doing at Bifrost. Once I saw her video and her lifelong commitment and just her dreams, I mean, I want us to be a class one, you know, interplanetary species. That's my goal. Like sure. I love space. I really do. But as I was, you know, promoting Bifrost in the room, I think a lot of other people were very much in the vein of space, space, space. And I came to a lot of this from automation, 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 right? So I, I think I could bring a unique perspective, but it was very obvious that the prosperity choice in her was, was just so aligned, like 100% aligned to her passions, to um, you know, where she wanted to be in life, what she wants to represent. So that one- What do you mean by prosperity, prosperity choice? I'm not sure yeah, I follow so, you there. So let's do them real quick. The pillars are hope, prosperity, generosity, and leadership. And so oh, uh, we've, and the, these are the, yeah. the, they aligned to those four people that were yeah, chosen. Yeah. So, so leadership came first and then Jared put together programs that um, brought in hope, generosity, and prosperity. So she fell under prosperity, which means starting a business and basically, you know, coming over to the platform and showing what she's doing. You know, I, I'm the one, I don't want to call it like unicorn VC stuff, but it's like, what are you doing? Let's showcase you. Right. Yeah. Um, generosity was all donations to St. Jude's and Chris, we can talk about that a little later. Chris came in under that banner and that one was randomly selected uh, around the generosity piece. We applied for that one as well, but I, I don't know if I put in as many tickets as, as some people. Um, and the final one is hope and that's a cancer survivor. So, um, Haley was, uh, so her, her story is so amazing, but, um, you know, to summarize it, a bone cancer survivor, I think she was nine or 10 could have been eight when she, when she was diagnosed, but, um, she's the first, the youngest in space, um, first with a prosthetic limb. There's just so many things. Uh, wait till you see her in the group, uh, hiking, um, Mount Rainier is what they did for their mission together, you know, uh, not to, I don't know what the premises are like you know, induce conflict and see how we react or things like that, or just team building. But man, yeah. watching her go up Rainier for nine straight hours with a prosthetic implant is that yeah. has shattered or not shattered, but broken twice. I think they call out the documentary, like hope is strong there. So those are the four pillars. That's yeah. awesome, man. Dude, I have to go watch this documentary now. This is too cool. And yeah, I can imagine, you know, they probably just, I don't even, I don't want to say team building, but like if you go climb Mount Rainier as a team, yeah, sure. I mean, call it team building, but they're likely going to face some really tough challenges and they have to understand yep. how they're going to react to and with each other. And they've got to learn to trust one another. And that's a yes. great way of simulating going to space for how long are they up there? Like three, three or days. four days or something? Three days. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simulate some particularly specific challenges that they might have being isolated and uh, being in kind of life or death situations, not kind of, but being in life or death situations. So. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was cool. So, so they got cool. each of them in depth and uh, I think uh, three and four were released prior to the launch. And mm -hmm. I heard that the final episode won't be till the 30th um, coming back down and, and number five could be the launch. So that could be out today or tomorrow or however quickly the video editing team gets a hold of it. So yeah, yeah. exciting.
So were you, am I, am I correct in assuming when you put together this video, I wasn't sure, like we were talking about it a little bit leading up to it. And are you saying that you submitted a video to be one of these crew members? Yeah. Was that, yeah. Was that a possible you know, thing? I, wow. Uh, <laughs> That's well, awesome. Well, they would have vetted me out for, for probably, I was working hard on your program, the thousand, whatever we were doing at the end of December. You know, I was working hard to get my stamina up, get my weight down, you know, be if I was so, you know, the, the moonshot of being selected. My intent was always to give it to somebody who really was excited about it and and basically, you know, just use it as a promotional for Bifrost. I didn't think from my mental health perspective, it'd be a good fit in space. And I didn't want to go through and be denied that way. So I always intended that. Then I think a little later they started, you know, putting the, the dots at the bottom and you know, read this, read the small print and I, it wasn't transferable, which from what I understand, Chris was able to transfer his generosity uh, piece. I think a best friend um, was unable to go and it was the original choice and chose him. So I don't know if I could have transferred it, but that was my intent all along. That would have been wild. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. So I, I saw you post a picture. You're standing there with one of the, the space suits. Did you, did you go down there? Like, talk, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. So all of the applicants that didn't make the prosperity, um, well, I don't know about all. I don't know the 100% the program. But my understanding is there's a couple hundred of us. And I believe they invited all of us. And the idea was there was a specific viewing and party just for Inspiration4. So, you know, there were some separate things going on with SpaceX. but. Um, Jared's uh, team essentially was also there. So a lot of his employees uh, heard pretty last minute, you know, it was a little bit of a little bit of a running around scramble at the last minute, as you can imagine for something that's historical. But um, there was a lot of his uh, staff. I mean, heck, there was procurement there. There was all sorts of people excited to be there. And then on top of that, um, we had the whole launch narrated um by trip oh dang it i'm gonna forget his last name so you you went to florida are you still there yeah 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 we're in canal oh, wow. right now i'm in the hotel room yeah. yes you went to kennedy space center for the, for the launch okay we didn't go all the way out to kennedy security was too okay. high there was some covid stuff um i don't i think from the, oh i get you from from the get-go i think that was planned we were at a, a famous restaurant that sat right on the you know right on the water there that had a perfect viewing angle out to the out to the launch and they basically rented out the entire place and then brought in we had uh nicole um stop uh so she i think flew missions between 2000 and don't quote me i'm pretty sure there's at least four missions that nicole was on and and it was so cool to be there and have her focus on the steam approach she's very much i think she's just releasing a book i, I should be uh, so much going on. I should have it top of mind and be promoting for, but um, it's around art and, and, you know, being very artistic in the current space program and what that might mean for the future. So I loved her coat. I posted a little picture of, you know, rather than me sitting next to her in a selfie, which, you know, can be a little cliche. Um, I was super excited about the coats that were put together that were auctioned off for St. Jude's because to my knowledge, oh. the goal, the goal was $200 million uh, being raised for St. Jude's. So I think they had a patchwork of art that came from all different, you know, influences that they put together into these custom coats. And I think the originals for the team that would be auctioned were like like stitched together. Hers looked a little more like an imprint. So, yeah, I was just oh, excited cool. to have that steam approach and her speeches uh, that she gave really moved me. And she was super excited to get up on a dragon herself. You know, it's one of, it seemed like that was one of her near term goals. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks like she's done five missions here, uh, is what it says. Her total time in space, 103 days, five hours wow. and 49 minutes. Mm -hmm. She actually participated in the first live tweet from space. You're kidding. <laughs> I don't know what they mean by live tweet, but yeah, the first tweet, I guess, sent from space was October 21st, 2009, uh, when she was on Expedition 21, her third wow. mission up. That's incredible. Yeah, she that was cool. She was she was amazing. Um, it was neat. I was just kind of hunting for some signatures for my concept art book for for my kiddos and my niece. And I think there was a little bit of interest. You know, I started blabbing and running running my mouth as fast as I could around what we're doing at Bifrost, and it seemed like it caught some attention. So towards the that's end, that's awesome. 
you know, I kind of pushed a little harder and asked uh, Trip, who, gosh, I'm trying to get his full title uh, before I slaughter it. So I'm scanning through a post I did here. Uh, but point is, um, he is a very influential person at SpaceX. Uh, I'll get you the official title in a second. But um, I asked him if he could bring our concept, our art book. And rather than, you know, be doofy and say, bring it to Elon, I just said, you know, man, slap this down on the coffee table at SpaceX HQ, right? Talk it up a bit. Mm -hmm. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Dude, that's too cool, man. So what was this, what was it like meeting the other applicants? Where were they from? What were they doing? Like, I imagine you had some neat conversations there as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of great people there. A lot of unique interests. Some of them, the first guy we met in the, in the airport, literally, uh, I think it was, it was, printer i'm not printer painting shaker parts or something like that so shift for sale can do a lot of things they have hundreds of connectors you know to other sites and you can put a lot of things online oh heck you know what i'm trying to do is push the boundary and move some of my platform from gum road over onto shift for sale that's appropriate i do a lot of fan fiction and non-intellectual property but yeah i'm actually considering if somebody reached back out to me after this mission i'd love i'm looking for publishers right now i don't think self-publishing might be in my best interest to go around and our graphic novels done in about six weeks so yeah i've got jen jen's working the agent slash community builder side to start pumping up our patreon things like that so being in a room of entrepreneurs was really cool. And then it made me feel a lot better to see, you know, some people's stores were just passionate. They almost reminded me of like Etsy stores, you know? So it was, yeah. it, was cool. it was cool, man. It was cool. That's down awesome. to earth. I will definitely say down to earth. And me and the, the you know, my, my button bud that came with me, we're joking around as we were checking for VIP that, Hey, look at those like really nice, you know, we've all been to enough IT conferences to know that there's upper tier VIP packages and, we got the the shirt and the patch. I do not feel, you know, I'm totally grateful, but it was obvious there was some much bigger tours and much bigger things going on. And I got to stick <laughs> with the, the people that were just, you know, down to earth and part of the part of the inspiration for program more than maybe part of space. So it was a neat place to be in around entrepreneurship. That's awesome. I'm trying to see, I'm trying to pull up here how much money they ended up raising because I know you were saying they were That'd be looking cool. to raise two hundred million dollars to support, yeah. and I had seen something uh, come across on Twitter just because I follow a lot of space stuff. But they were talking about how I guess there was twenty five. Uh, they were saying, "quote There was only twenty five thousand live viewers on YouTube of the launch, um, but like you know, sixty or seventy percent of the fundraising was coming from that crew." Uh, yeah, but I didn't yeah. see what the numbers were. This is really neat. It's really neat. I'm surprised this didn't get. Maybe I've been living under a rock or something. I don't know why. No, like, no. I was only hearing about this from you. That's why I pushed so hard. I felt like, good God, I'm so. I try to curate my feed so carefully in Twitter and LinkedIn. They're the only places that I, I outsource all the rest of my social media. And man, it is so hard to see so much vitriol and polarization. Meanwhile, we're we're stepping across the threshold of potentially, you know, moving towards a class one interstellar species, that's really important. And this isn't just about space exploration. This is about the ability to travel around the earth. I mean, now we're getting into maybe more Virgin Galactic and, 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 and aspirations from, from Bezos and the Blue Origin crew, but this very much changes things in a tangible way for how we proceed forward. It was my, it was my question in the audience. Like they had a lot of great questions, but I was like, Hey, times are changing. Right. They just mm -hmm. got done talking about technology. What are the big technologies moving forward? It was ubiquitous Starlink access. Now we don't have spotty issues in space. We can now, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, that was very important. But automation yeah. was a key thing, too. So I raised my hand and basically said, you know, what about the kids? What do we do? I'm trying to always ask that question. Focus on that nine to 13 audience. What do we yeah. do for them to prepare them for the age of automation and, and, and space flight and things like that? And what are the new skills that children might want to focus on? So it was cool. What did they the say? Answers. They were, well, it was diverse, but just like the, the new Digital Services Academy and the Digital Reserve, or I think they call it the Digital Reserve, we basically got a National Guard and a West Point coming in for geeks, right? The Congress is just about to put out recommendations on starting up a West Point for uh, cybersecurity, so the, the military division of cybersecurity, and then the National mm -hmm. Guard, which I, I may join. And that's what it reminded me of, right? 
we are modifying and drastically changing the requirements. So as much as I love to be held to a standard of physical fitness and some other things, it's cool for me to know that if I couldn't make the cut in the National Guard, I could damn well be on the front lines of cybersecurity assistance. Yeah. You know? Yes. And even uh, ar- arguably authorities. becoming arguably becoming arguably becoming more important, you know? Yeah. It's uh yeah. it's wild. So uh, and you said you can join up until you're 40 or something. Cause that, that was my next question because in the current military standards, you have to sign up before you're 35, I guess is the oldest or 36, maybe 35. Yeah. I think all I've heard is the, the conjecture. All this comes from the NSCAI. You know me, I can't sure. do a show without referencing it. Um, <laughs> so all the recommendations are there, you know, it's being built into Congress. There's been lots of rumors about October being kind of the, the formal. So I don't know yet. But I tend to hold on to hope. You know me, I'm living in the future looking back. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to hope that they would see that a, you know, a newly freshly minted 40-year-old uh, has plenty of IT skills to offer in frontline For defense. Sure. I'll analyze logs if it helps this country, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good. Uh, so I found the amount donated. So the goal, the total goal is $200 million, and it looks like. 100 million of that is coming from the mission commander jared isaacman the billionaire nice. that yep. i guess is was that was the leader in this uh, amount donated to date 31.5 million dollars which is nice very good considering i had hardly heard this was even happening um yeah. and i'm just learning about a lot of this stuff but uh Man, yeah i'm certainly gonna Jude's, watch the netflix the Jude's yeah made me think of you so much aaron i just the the hopefulness <laughs> around i know i bring it up a bit but and I don't like to hold our president to his words, but what a win, what a win for our country, regardless of all the politics to cure cancer or to get that first scoop out of it. Yeah, we figured yeah. out how to you know, work with these specific forms of cancer and enough to where people don't fear lung cancer anymore specifically. I'm not saying broad scale everything. Yeah. But we have the technology and you know, Biden has made three or four quote promises on stage during campaign and after to 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 do it and it reminds me of one of those stealth projects it reminds me of you know if i was biden i'd have hundreds of of scientific labs working round the clock with you know the funding isn't even a problem when you look at like the nscai budgets yeah. a few billion on this dude let's solve cancer so i just love that dude jude's is wrapped up in that yes yeah and i would i mean line it up if you're going to look at cancer, I would say solve childhood cancer first, man. Every time I started yeah. to feel bad for myself going through chemo, I was like, look, you know, I mean, I was, I guess, 33 at the time, but I really felt like I'd lived a full life other than, you know, getting to raise my kids and all that kind of, you know, fun stuff. But yeah. Um, and every time I started to feel bad for myself, I would see, you know, there'd be this eight year old kid was, would walk in front of me at the, the chemo clinic and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, man, this little dude has whole life ahead of him, you know, and then my focus and, and everything would go to him. Hard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Episode two I bet, is man. Haley, is Haley's story. You got lots of pictures and even video from her childhood and that upbeat spirit, that fighter spirit, by the way, she's yeah. an RN or a PA or RN or so some very uh, specific type of, uh, you know, medical, um, medical. Yeah, it looks like physician assistant. Jude's. Yeah, okay. you're right. PA. Oh, she works for yep. St. Jude. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's super cool. What's, what's not inspiring about this story? So yeah, let's, you know, um, as we wrap <laughs> yeah. up this this part of it, let's encourage people to forward this on, get people to look. I, I'm not saying this will depolarize or unify anybody, but damn, like we should be proud of what just happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is super cool. This is super cool. Yeah, I will. I'm going to put that on the list to watch uh, within the next week or so catch that on netflix and um go uh, go research some more and go donate to st jude's and all that bump that number up closer to 100 million all right man uh well that's fascinating thank you for for uh for pulling me out from under the rock on inspiration four uh let's switch gears i'd love to chat with you about ai 2041 what is it is it a book that you've written or is it a book you read like i'm i'm know nothing about this okay so so um, your two cohorts have been reading AI Superpowers, uh, which was okay. written by Kai Fu Lee in 2018, I believe, might have been published in late 2018. Um, and basically, uh, I don't want to put words in mouth, but 
the uh, Kaifu has gone through, you know, a lot of transformation in the last few years. And I think his heart led him towards being able to spell out what you, he calls realistic AI. Uh, so here mm-hmm. were his four goals, candid, balanced, constructive, and hopeful. And he partnered with, oh boy, so Chen Chufang, who, by the way, just agreed right before I got in the shower to get get on this this call, agreed to have me send him our concept art book and graphic novel. If you look him what? up on, uh, yeah, dude, if you look him up on uh, on YouTube, he is he's been using GPT two, right? I'm not the only guy out here using automation to write books for me, but he worked for Google, so he had access directly to modifying the the, the foundation models, as some are calling them now. In and who is that? Now. Sorry. So he is he is because I'm looking up writer. Okay, I'm looking up Kaifu Lee, and you said Kaifu Lee partnered with somebody, and that's who you're talking to. Yes, and he is the sci-fi writer. So he's a very famous sci-fi writer in in China, Chen Chufan, and um, he basically brought all of the elements of storytelling into it. And then each chapter, Aaron, is followed by like God, I think it's like a minimum of thirty minutes of Kaifu. Going through, he reviews each chapter and the technologies that were presented and what they mean. And I'm not going to say 100% human explainable, but what I love about your show and try to bring is a compassionate understanding uh, of tech literacy. Like I, I know a lot of people are are behind mm-hmm. the starting line, maybe even in the careers they may have chosen, and just the basic, you know, sentiment of machine learning. Yeah, can can and a lot of times not be understood, and that's why I call our graphic novels nine to thirteen plus. Right? I don't yeah. necessarily want nine to thirteen year olds reading them. I want their parents to read them with them. That's why I've sure. linked it all to YouTube. And but that's the reading scripts. level. Yeah, yeah, and so he basically makes it very, very accessible to people, and he starts out. Uh, Kai Fu starts out the the introduction, and then you go to Chen Chufan uh, for the secondary introduction. So one comes from a science fiction writing perspective and what that can mean. And that's very important to me, the sci-fi aspect, because there's a lot of focus on, we have to be able to show our young generation visions of the future that aren't so dystopian. I, I get that it gets, think of it like Facebook clicks and negative negative ads or whatever, or negative yeah. you know, comments and things. We have to, to sell a little bit better reality. Now they didn't compromise on reality though. Um, so again, right? Let's go back through it one more time. <laughs> it's very important, right? Uh, to understand that candid and balanced are in there as well. Constructive and hopeful at the end, but candid and balanced. And so mm-hmm. what Kaifu does is talk about AI as an omni-use technology. I love that word. I'm sure it's you know, yeah. simply used uh, in a lot of places, but I love you know the, the concept of that. And he highlights that the majority of, of humanity gets their AI knowledge, if you will, from sci-fi, news, and influential people. And so sci-fi normally sells dystopia. News normally uh, in this uh, you know world we live in, an attention economy now is very um, slanted by elections, politics, things like that. And influential people can sometimes lack scientific rigor, right? So you let's not get into the influential people. Maybe well, I'm I'm <laughs> one of them. It's very hard to be an autodidact. You just said influential. Courses. You said influential people can sometimes lack scientific rigor i would argue yeah. the vast majority of influential people <laughs> lack scientific rigor yeah, like 99 percent. yeah that's funny and what do i what do i preach you know on a regular basis is you know education around ai and and education and acceptance around autism highly controversial topics that can get people excited and very angry very quickly about anybody talking because the the continuum is so large. The spectrum of autism and AI are so massive, right? So, so yeah, I think that his approach and the introduction just hit me. I wanted to cover today their introductions in one chapter. So, um, in the interest of time, to make sure I can talk about Twin Sparrows because of you know, God, it made me cry yeah. several times. It was just so beautiful. I'm going to do one last thing, and that is. He focuses on what happens with humans and machines, the the amplification and symbiosis for my two favorite words applied here of how, yes, there's going to be, you know, devastating job loss to technical unemployment. But um, just like the book Future Proof by Kevin Roos and a lot more that are being written that that uh, really talk to our human capabilities and what machines won't be able to do. um, Here's the breakdown, right? 
machine. What does a machine do, right? Quantitative analysis, routine work, optimization. What does the human focus on? Creativity, critical thinking, passion. Now, when you summarize up to three on either side, and I'm already hitting creativity and passion, my critical thinking is <laughs> a little off skew sometimes based on my world, but um, man, did I feel good, right? Five years ago, when my life and world were melting down, I, you know, I had all this, all this, uh, just lots of things. It's not about me today, but just so much in my life that was unsure. I didn't hear too many people in books that I was reading about emotional intelligence and, and, and trauma therapy and how do I get back on my feet? And, you know, um, I didn't hear a lot of things that spoke to my success, right? It was EI, 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 you know, this is the future. You better have, you know, it's like, Oh God, that's super hard for me sometimes, you know, um, creativity and passion, Aaron, I got that all day long. So to read an intro like that, Jack, you know, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, just one one thing real quick on Kaifu Lee, if anyone wants to look him up a little bit more. Uh, it's K-A-I-F-U, and that's first name Kaifu, and then last name Lee, L-E-E. And it looks like he was actually, he was a classmate of Barack Obama at Columbia. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, he came to America, <laughs> I think, when he was 12. Um, yeah. So, you know, started the, if you will, the natural language processing at Apple long before Siri was announced, like, you know, more than a decade or two, if I recall correctly, but started AI at, at Apple, if you will, um, then went on to be, I was getting mixed up of which if you, if you were CEO of Google China, um, and then a different role for Microsoft China. Um, but he has bridged the American and Chinese worlds, uh, for a very long time. And, his experiences with cancer, of which he's very vocal on and has a great TED talk and mixes um, the concept of love uh, into almost everything. Love and compassion and empathy is all over this book. And they are infused into the way that he tells narratives about where AI is going into the future. And I, man, just an incredible person, incredible. My goal is to get a signed copy of his book on my shelf. I'm starting to collect signed copies of all the research books that I've done for Gaia Seed. So yeah. I'm, I'm after Kai Fu to get that, get that on my shelf. And uh, I'm here to kind of promote his book. And he's living in a, uh, the same um, you know, atmosphere we all are with, with an inability to be heard, even at his level, it feels like I, I see some of his pushes and it's like, man, this is like time magazine. And you just wrote a thing in the Atlantic and you got all these amazing, you know, fronts, but they look at the clicks and I look at the engagement and then I look at, you know, whatever vitriol is further down in the stream and it just doesn't add up. So here I am today, I'm promoting two underserved, influential groundbreaking things that I think will affect humanity moving forward for the next generation or two yeah fascinating man um yeah and go go do some research on lee um very interesting individual so okay uh so you wanted to talk about the the twins you want to make sure you get that in or okay yeah twin sparrows is the name of chapter three and in twin sparrows the focus is going to be on gpt3 agi ai education and self self self-supervised training so the minute you engage with the chapter, it's letting you know, this is what we're gonna talk about. There are other technologies mixed in here, but these will be the focus and maybe the lessons learned throughout the chapter. So hearing that okay. going in, I was like, cool, those are GPT-3s big in my life. And you know, it was neat going in. I got- Do you wanna take two seconds, sorry, before you get into it, do you wanna take two seconds for maybe new listeners to talk about uh, GPT and to uh, just, to, or just to define GPT and define AGI? Yeah, so so artificial general intelligence, um, uh, strong AI, uh, called many different things, and 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 should be broken down and maybe even differentiated from human level intelligence, often called human level intelligence. Um, and then above that is digital superintelligence. This is one of the problems that the industry is around naming. But in general, think of it this way: a narrow AI can do something better than any human. Right. So we're getting to that point with all these different AIs in our life where there's no way a human could keep up, whether it's board games or ads, bots, whatever. Um, and AGI is in general uh, where you have an AI that is uh, broad spectrum, right, on the use potentially, and it can do everything better than all humans. Right. That's a little broad, but the, the concept is, is, you know, have something intelligent to um, to match human level capability. Now you've got a sprinkle in consciousness. There may or may not be consciousness in that equation. One would argue it has to be. 
So there's a lot around this, hence why I do all these animation whiteboard series, who I'm hoping to get a partner here for soon. Um, and I think they're really important to spend five minutes of whiteboarding on each topic. So there's AGI. Uh, you, By the way, you do see that mentioned in government documents now. I've been waiting for the, the time where you'd have the, the, the US government recognize that we're in the fourth industrial revolution. I think that's very important to, to officially recognize that and put programs in place uh, for technical unemployment. And then on top of that, you also have them mentioning it right in the NSCAI. We're moving towards AGI, right? So you now have a general public who should be aware of what general intelligence is and, and understand that it's so contentious around when it's coming. 10 years, almost every that I study says within this century, um, but a lot of them are more rooting towards the 70s and 80s. Some of them are end of this decade, right? It's so funny um, to hear you say the 70s and 80s and know that you're talking about the 2070s and 2080s when everyone else thinks 1970s and 1980s. It's my protective barrier. It's well, I don't do it on purpose. I literally live in the future because it's so hard for my heart to absorb what's happening right now. And I just want to, I want to fast forward 20 more years. And as the children bring up like, oh, this is, you know, poverty is bad or whatever. I can just fast forward into 2099 and look back and say, yeah, but we solved that in 2038, right? We democratize this. We, we democratize intelligence with a neural uplink. We, uh, the monetary system as it shifted to hundred percent crypto and a single unifying currency across the world, um, you know, people, uh, universal basic income and universal educational income came in across the board for people to re-educate themselves. No more fear that my jobs and skills, you know, have been replaced. It's just back to school. Let's learn a new thing. And the government will support me in doing that. So I'm getting a little utopian here. But um, yes, I, I very much look in through that lens. I don't focus on now. I focus on how we can fix it in the future. And I get to use magic or technology, right? I can just say, okay, I'll help out with the life tree. <laughs> Su sufficiently indistinguishable. Indistinguishable. Uh, that's Rush right. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, GPT, generative, pre-trained um, models, language models. Okay, I think I think we got that. I want to make sure we don't run out of time here to talk about the Twin Sparrows too, if you want to yep. dig and more And we into also that. went through GPT-3 in the last episode. Mm -hmm. last that's right. Thoroughly understand it. I'd recommend everyone go to YouTube and look up the Stanford Human AI Labs and look at their recent, uh, I think it's about 10 days ago now, they've published out a, a 10 hour link or you can break them down into one and two hour sections of the foundations workshop. So they're starting to be called foundation models. That's highly contentious. Follow a few people on Twitter that are not happy that a natural language processing you know, uh, language model would be called a foundation model. Um, and, and then right as foundation comes out from Isaac Asimov on HBO. So you, you, there's contention around how fast these things are growing. Uh, do, do not, this is not going to be a utopian um, YouTube. It's about HAI raising the alarms that these foundation models are spreading faster than probably anybody could have conceived. Um, rumors around a good part of the internet, like 30 and 40% plus is already generated by GPT-3. So it's just giving those scripts to YouTubers and bloggers and and journalists. So moving on, there's big stuff there and very important stuff. Awesome. No, I'm good. I just want to stop interrupting you <laughs> to make no, sure you get through. No, no. <laughs> okay, Twin Sparrows, I should focus. Yeah, it's our, um, yeah. Yeah, so let me start with a quote from Mama Kim. So Mama Kim is going to be the character that takes um, the two orphans in after their parents die. Their parents took off auto autopilot on their car in 2041. Uh, I think it was a uh, Hyundai something. They, they very much make this keyed into our world. So Hyundai, some new model. For some reason, the parents took off autopilot. They don't go into it. Parents died, kids didn't. So the car maybe acted appropriately to what all of our auto manufacturers are programming. You know, do you kill the passengers or do you kill the, I'm sorry, do you kill? Who gets to die kind of stuff, trolley problem stuff. Who gets so to live? There you go. Glass half full, Aaron. <laughs> um, and so her first quote is, like any child, they needed only to become their best selves. Okay, so they integrate the concept of a vMirror and a vPal. So they call a lot of our compute devices in the future, the vMirror is just your portal into the IT infrastructure, and the vPal is your portal into your, lots of names for these, right? Personal digital assistant, virtual avatar, 
So these kids come in and their intake, it's instantly recognized that Silver Sparrow, Golden Sparrow and Silver Sparrow, two brothers, twins, um, and Silver Sparrow basically is identified very early on to be on the spectrum. Um, I think they specifically call it Asperger's, which in the US, the DSM-5 has kind of moved beyond um, diagnostic, but it doesn't matter. The way we, we, we categorize and, and, uh, and break down autism has changed quite a bit in the last few years. So um, very much a story about two, I wouldn't call them diametrically opposed, but close brothers um, uh, that have different journeys and their avatars follow that journey with them. They are XR, um, they are XR manifestations. And so for example, the one child, um, Golden Sparrow, his is very aggressive red flames coming off of him. There was mention of the Nintendo Famicom as an influence that, that got me excited. You know how I love retro gaming and how that kind of brings people back together versus online gaming. Um, so that was exciting for me, but basically the concept here, you're seated very early on the importance of these AGIs that are in their life and what they have done to them. As you go through the chapters, um, you, you realize that the AGI for Silver Sparrow, the, the, the child on the spectrum, was this protective chrysalis, this bubble. I think at one point they even call it an amoeba. So if you, you, you know, you're always have some type of XR functionality, uh, I believe in the in the show, you click something on the side of your face and a lens comes out or whatever, but you can tap right into you know their emotions, their feelings. It talks about children's data privacy rights. So the two kids go to different homes because of conflict amongst each other. And their avatars, even through 10 years of distance from each other, have been secretly keeping them together. And I don't want to go any further, but the amount of things that are overcome um, through the use of technology and adaptive learning. Next, they focus on their schooling and the amazing uh, different style that we would go through uh, or that we would have for teachers uh, and, and virtual classrooms and things like that. So the technology just oozes in this chapter. And they talk a little bit about the concept of like homotechny. Uh, homotechny um, is... One of the things that uh, Silver Sparrow's adopted parents focused on a lot, like the critique of the buildup of technology, uh, restoring dignity to humanity and restoring humanity's link to nature. So they talk about a rise in the next 20 years. We tend to be very negative and go, oh, those LUDs are going to come. You know, the Luddites will come and try to smash some technology because they don't understand it or scared or whatever. Buds, you know, raging. This takes a different approach 20 years from now. And I really like how it, it talked about the challenges of these virtual assistants. Solaris is, is Silver Sparrows, is the name of his, 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 uh, his assistant, if you will. And how through his autism, it transformed its core programming and algorithms into one of self-exploration away from competition. So his brother, Golden Sparrow, was urged and urged and urged, compete, be better, fight the machine. And then his brother's life takes some very unique turns because automation this is only 20 years from now. We're just so say that again. It turned his life from from what to what? So Golden Sparrow's life in his late teenage years, as it focuses later, automation turned his life upside down and his algorithm, which made him push, 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 push facts, be the best, be the top one percent. That's the only way to beat the machines. His life is devastated as he's coming into adulthood his entire track in finance as he was growing up with this very rich family, this super rich family plucked him out. So this is a top you know, learning mind. In the future, age doesn't matter around education. You're just plucked out and put in other classrooms and your, your avatar takes care of, you know, your, your personal digital assistant takes care of the mental health aspect and, you know, whatever in integrating into larger classrooms. But the, the premise is by the time he gets through his education and his rigors and the things that, that were very tough in his life to achieve, they're all just taken away by AI, right? So video gaming, wow, okay. you'll love this. He has a conversation with his father where he says, when I used to play Grand Theft Auto, it, he laughs at his child because his child says, you know nothing about video games because in his you know field, everything's automated and it's overnight, it collapses the game industry. Like AI all of a sudden, just can do anything humans can do in games and they just make the games all by themselves, right? And so that collapses his industry and he's devastated. And, you know, he has that, that dystopian view of the world starts to creep in. Now it's Avatar in the future. It instantly says, you know, you're having mental health issues. These could lead to depression. You know, let's go get a therapist. 
like it's so cool how there's interventions around what might bring people to deaths of despair in the future, worrying about their unemployment status, right? And so wow. I'm going to give too much away if I go too much further, but towards the end. No, that's interesting, man. A spiritual ending. It's so cool how they come together. And if I say too much more, I'll give it away. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. I didn't even think about the like your avatar, your online presence, whatever it is you want to. Because it's like this this fuzzy thing that's being generated, right? Where you have this digital presence everywhere, especially as we are all separated through this global pandemic. Yeah. Um, becoming just listening to you describe a few of those things, it sounds like I, I don't know. My brain hadn't thought about the avatar itself becoming your personal digital assistant. So this virtual version of me that that I've created within the internet then gains general intelligence and then can work on helping me with my issues or, or accomplishing yep. things for me, whatever. Yeah. It's, yep. That is and interesting. So I hadn't thought about it that way. In their world, Aaron, it's so real that they're constantly balancing the pluses and minuses. It's very new, yeah. but they're, they're, they're emphasizing through narration or direct scripting in the, in the story, what the impacts have been around privacy, for example, the highly, highly artistic, um, you know, kiddo on the spectrum, Silver Sparrow, his parents disagree at 10. They say, OK, your data feeds, I believe is what they call it. Um, your data feeds are now yours. We have to ask permission to see if what's going on in your life. I mean, but the level of insight wow. very much in these chapters, the AI knows you way more in this parenting style of working with the AI. So what do we have right now to to look at we, AI of the future and teachers? <laughs> we have raised by wolves, you know, we're, right. we're literally well, we have religious wars over who teaches the children. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. When we have companies that know us. Right, rather than our own yep. avatars, our own digital assistants, or whatever, we don't own that data. We have companies that own that data, and companies that own that information about us and our data streams. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be a nice uh, turn of events as we, um, <laughs> as the hum as humans take that back from corporations. So that'll be interesting to see happen. Yeah. Uh, I think they describe we, it as a peripheral yeah. extension of your being. I like that. I've heard a lot of like tertiary brain. Once it hits your limbic, then it hits your cortex then the internet, you know, then your, your cloud presence, if you will, is your tertiary brain. That's not how it's going to work in the future. They go. Yeah. They so say it again, your periphery, your peripheral your, extension oh, of your yeah. being. Yeah. Peripheral extension of your being. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so before we run out of time here and we have to shut this down, um, talk, talk to us, tell, tell me, tell the listeners where Bifrost Bridge Studios is at in all of uh, that. You're what you're working on, how people can reach you how they can uh, get invested, all that stuff. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We, we've got some amazing, exciting things coming up right now. So our graphic novelist, our illustrator, is close to the final pages. So we're in the mode right now of seeking out collaboration, partnership, publishing. We, we don't take it off the table right now. I think one of my goals right now near term is to try to get somebody's eye within the inspiration team and publish in a different way. I'm very much for breaking the rules of this horrific publishing system that we have in the United States and the barriers and what, how you're kept from, from, you know, being seen. So I'd like to break the system first. I'd like to like publish on shift for sale. And when I say publish, there's so many things that can be wrapped up in that, but, but yeah, we're seeking, it's our crown jewel. It explains things visually better. And our core game, a board game, the transmedia elements of Gaia seed are also a game boy game. And, board game. We're prepping those for Kickstarter. So keep keep an eye. Uh, the board game is, I'd call it Hero Quest Plus uh, with Gaia Seed infused into it. And the Game Boy is like Final Fantasy Legends series uh, two and three. Um, you know, we wanted to create with 8-bit code first. We're going to recreate our video games, you know, generational. We're going to start with 16-bit next and then do it in the style of a different type of game like Shining Force. And then we might move to Shadowrun. Just stuff that I play with my kids and we grew up with. So we've got Kickstarters going. We've got um, we've got uh, a seek and a hunt for publishing. Uh, my amazing wife is finishing up script two. We're starting to integrate um, the 10 in Patreon. We gave the ability for 10 people to sign up for our higher tier and integrate a story into volume two. So we're finishing that up. We've got your buddy Joe on there. He's a Leviathan that protects some of the underwater merfolk cities. Um, which didn't surprise me as a, you know, ex-person who's served our country. 
We've got people, I just brought on another fella that um, wants to invent 3D holographic storage and change you know, the world of, that came up quite a bit from the Inspiration4 team, by the way. Like what's holding us back? Storage was a data storage, a big thing. So we're integrating huh. people, whether they wanna be flashbacks from 2099, you know, I've got a buddy of mine, his daughter um, wants to do something inspirational. She's sitting with her notebook, coming up with some ideas for, what she might change the world. Who knows? Nobody's cured cancer yet, but it's still there. We're going to do some flashbacks to the intelligence explosion and going to rapidly put a bunch of people's faces for what was solved. So we've got that going. Jen's finishing up script two. Um, Jen is also engaging with a community builder for Patreon. I may bring a lot of energy, but I don't bring a lot of organization. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I need a community builder to, to start helping us as we potentially move with our animation on to hit record. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's platform and kind of outsource or start crowdsource it. In addition to that, so that's kind of our animation series. Um, in addition to that, um, I'm finishing up with section four, Scott Galloway's new kind of micro degree um, sprint style classes. So I'm working on brand. I've hired one of the TAs in class to do my presentation for me. Um, I gave her all the information, obviously. I'm not cheating, but I, I'm just trying to outsource further to give creative freedom to folks to help you know, help show what Bifrost is doing. So I should have a great presentation for collaborators, partners, and I'll be presenting it to about a thousand marketing professionals around the world. Classes are hot, right? Automation's tearing their industry to pieces. So these are hot classes where people are highly motivated to start learning new skills and get into new areas. Um, awesome. What else? I mean, you dude, there's so much. You're doing so yeah. much. It's it's incredible. Um, go to if you you probably all of y'all probably know Linktree. If you don't, you should go create your own. Uh, but you can go to Linktree uh, for Bifrost Bridge Studios. So it's just forward slash um, B I Frost Bridge Studios, and there you can see all of uh, you know LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Gumroad, Patreon, Hit Record, all this stuff. Go check them out. Go check out uh, the artwork, the storyboard stuff. Um, go support them on Patreon. Uh, dude, Curtis, is always awesome talking with you, man. Thank you for Thank you. for showing up and showing out and and sharing all of uh, all of what's been going on in your life lately. Thank you for the opportunity, Aaron. I just can't thank you enough for giving me a platform to really practice kind of getting back out into the world. Thank you, sir. Dude, of course, man. Of course. All right. Uh, that wraps up another episode. And uh, we will catch you all maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure. Uh, but likely. All right. Bye, everyone.